This podcast was recorded at 2.41 p.m. on August 9th, 2020. The situation may have changed by the time you are hearing it. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Gabfestology. The topic of today's Gabfest is revisionism in the United States and how parts of our history are being re-examined in the modern era. As a quick reminder, a rapid testing site is available in the Price Right Plaza on New Britain Avenue, Doc's Urgent Care, which accepts people without insurance. Register using their website www.docsmedicalgroup.com slash test now. That's D-O-C-S medicalgroup.com slash test now. And as a reminder, please wear your masks. I'm Ben. I'm Ethan. And I'm Parit. Let's get into the discussion. So I'd like to start today's discussion by talking about the Washington football team. As many of you probably know, they were priorly called the Washington Redskins. And after pressure from groups such as their sponsor of FedEx, they agreed to change their name for the time being to the Washington football team. And the reason behind this has to do with the origin of the word Redskin. It's generally used in a derogatory manner towards Native Americans, and it, it's been deemed by many Native American activists as a derogatory slur towards their people. So obviously changing this is for the better, being that a football team shouldn't be named after a slur. But there have also been other issues in the histories of the Redskins, and that play, that can be seen as early as 1972, where several Native American leaders petitioned the Redskins to replace within their fight song the lyric scalp them, and also to have their cheerleaders get rid of their black braided wigs. And those are also episodes of racist actions. Because in a way, having your cheerleaders dress up as Native Americans can be seen as something similar to blackface, where you're degrading someone else's culture and appearance. But to put this into perspective, within West Hartford at Conard High School, our mascot is the Chieftains. So what I want to talk about is, should we be changing our, our name? Because... We got rid of a chieftain as our logo, but still the name remains. And is that derogatory? Yeah, so just to give some background, um, I believe it was in 2015 when we officially got new logos and a new type of branding. So before then we had like uh, images of chieftains as our mascot and our student section was called the tribe and we had, you know, Native American imagery all across the building and then in 2015 that got changed so we got a new like logo and a different um, name for our student section we're now called the Red Sea um, even though some people still use the tribe name uh, so right. even though they've made steps to sort of erase some of that Native American um, connection it's still there and still pervasive yeah just to quickly give my two cents on the Washington Redskins switched to the Washington football team. Uh, I think that a stereotype at the center of a $2.86 billion industry, something that is largely considered to be a derogatory term at the center of America's most popular sport, is a change that was long overdue. 
And I think that it has sparked a dialogue that Americans have needed to have for many years now. Uh, and in terms of the uh, decision on whether or not to drop the name Chieftain, I think that another question we should be asking is whether or not, how do we keep this from being just a hollow symbol of pride? And how do we ensure that people truly understand the origin of the term rather than simply associating it with a culture? Yes, that that's absolutely true. And I think there's also an important distinction to be made within the usage of the word chieftain in particular, because a chieftain doesn't necessarily have to be Native American, though it is more commonly associated and due to the school's past, it is associated. But one could take the word chieftain and use it in a respectful manner, such as using it to say that we're strong leaders within the school. But do you think due to its native origins within Conrad's history that we should change it or we should change the meaning behind it from Native American to more of just the characteristics and desirable character traits of a chief? Yeah, I mean, I think it's similar to Hall's mascot and they're, they're, they're called the Warriors. And so, yes, that, that has Native American connections, but the term warrior can be applied to you know, any facet of life and just means like a strong, strong person, strong character. And I think those are qualities that the school and their students sort of embody. And so I think that applies the same way with chieftains. I think um, chieftains are strong and brave and, you know, they're warriors and they, they fight together. And so there, there's a lot of good qualities that our student body represents. Um, and so I don't know if we should necessarily be eradicating the entire naming. Mm -hmm. And I think a good way to go about that is having possibly the school administer a statement saying we do not mean to degrade Native American cultures and that we chose this name based off of either just generally the positive characteristics of a chieftain or to honor the idea of a Native chieftain for being courageous. Yeah, so I mean, clearly, us th none of us three are Native American, and so we don't know exactly how it feels to be speaking, and I don't want to speak on behalf of any Native Americans in our community, but for me, I feel like having the name Chieftain represent a lot of good qualities in a student body, I think that's perfectly acceptable. I think... Um, I understand how people would be upset with using their imagery and um, having, you know, like the Indian head as the logo, but, you know, using the chief and name to represent positive qualities in a student body, I feel like it's almost, you know, honoring and respecting them for all the good that they've, they've done in the past. Right. And one last point before we move on is that generally there have been certain names that have been used in sports and school, such as the Fighting Irish. And it's important to this make a distinction between that and something like the Redskins or possibly the name Chieftains, because the Fighting Irish is a name that the Irish gave themselves, from what I've heard. And on the other hand, the Redskins was a term that that European explorers gave 
Native Americans. So if an entire culture were to adopt the name, then I think it would be a different situation. And possibly if we had Native Americans within our own community adopt the term chieftain and just confirm that and just validate it and give it their approval, that may help simmer this issue down a little. I agree. And I think the first step towards at least taking a movement towards a consensus is educating people on what exactly this symbol is going to represent and how we want to use it. It is. And regarding those people who may be uncomfortable having the name Chieftain used by Connors sports teams, I think, going back to my earlier point, I think having the school administer some kind of message to the town would help with that, but obviously there aren't going to be 100%, there isn't going to be 100%, there, there isn't going to be a consensus regarding this. And, to, and on the topic of symbols, we've also seen a lot of stigma recently towards statues, especially former presidents. So, for example, President Thomas Jefferson, there's been a lot of conversation about how he was a slave owner and that though he did provide such a large role in the foundation of our country, it's not as acknowledged that he was a slave owner. And it wasn't acknowledged that he owned slaves, which obviously many of our founding fathers are guilty of. Yeah, I mean, the same applies to George Washington and a lot of our earlier presidents. Um, I think it is taught in schools that they were slave owners. The question becomes do we just disregard everything that they've done and all their accomplishments just because they participated in this you know very mm -hmm. terrible institution but something that was quite normalized during the bat during that time right and to move that to towards the topic of statues do we adapt statues do we take them down or do we make completely new ones because we can obviously add parts to statues and memorials that acknowledge the fact that slave slave owning was a part of their legacy or we could in total just tear them down like people have been trying to do in recent black Lives matter protests so what do you guys think would be a good way of going about this well i think you have to acknowledge first that statues glorify the individual in which they are portraying and you can't commemorate someone without putting them on a pedestal so i think there's a difference between white rushing history as some people would say to the black lives matter protesters to tear down confederate statues then making sure that only there's a difference between that and making sure that only the most revered figures are worthy of this honor of being placed in front of like a town hall for example and this brings me to a story of a high school girl who refused to wear a jersey bearing robert e lee's name that was the name of her school when she was running track and field, I believe. I could be wrong on that. But I think that you have to realize that these figures are controversial and there have been uh, there have been proposals to just completely remove all statues since there are going to be people who are a product of their time that are going to have things that we don't currently accept as a part of their history. Right. 
And that is one of the extreme ends of the argument. And though I understand that taking down statues would eliminate the problem and allow for a more widespread reform of how we're accepting ideals of the past, I don't think that's realistically going to be happening, especially just generally with the culture of this country. I mean, people aren't going to take down the Lincoln Memorial in D.C. Just because, yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, first of all, just imagine the culture war that would be started by doing that. I mean, you would outrage like at least 50% of the population and it would lead to just incredible levels of polarization far beyond what we see now, which is still like ridiculous. Um, But as Ben was saying, I don't think we should necessarily get rid of all important figures just because they have complicated histories. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, these people, they're humans and humans are complicated and humans make mistakes sometimes. And they're no one's going to be perfect. Uh, we should acknowledge the wrongs that they've done in the past, but we should also celebrate them for all the good that they've done in building our country to how it is today. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree, and I don't necessarily, again, agree with the idea of removing all statues. I was just proposing as a hypothetical. But right. the way you characterize it as just being, oh, they're complicated people. Everyone makes mistakes. Well, their mistakes resulted in the deaths of hundreds and thousands, of thousands in some cases. And their, their mistakes uh, entailed the owning of another human being. So these are not just tiny transgressions that you can just wipe away under the guise of humans are complex figures. You have to look at them in their totality. Okay, it's the same thing that we, where do you, where exactly do you draw the line? Okay, you're like, to an extent, you're a product of your time, but you were also there in every time where there were wrongs being done, there are people who didn't do the wrongs. So it's like, it's not something that you can just completely ignore. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll just clarify, like, I, I'm not saying slavery was, um, or owning slaves was a mistake, not at all. But uh, to your point, I think it's just slavery was just at that time in the founding of our nation, it was just an accepted institution that so many people participated in. And so I just feel like, do you go after every person who owns slaves and say they're just completely evil? I'm not saying that you consider them completely evil per se, but I'm just saying that again, statues, glorify figures and do you want to glorify someone who owned another person and it's just like you can still remember them you can still you can still uh commemorate them in a museum or in your own backyard for for example for instance so it's like you don't have to put this person as the face of your town the symbol of your town because well they did do things that some would consider to be unforgivable i don't know exactly where i stand on the matter on but i'm just saying it's something that you definitely have to take into account I agree. And I think it's important to talk about what exactly these statues are doing and how we can revise them to accurately reflect our society in this day and age. And I'm going to discuss some ideas that were discussed by Harvard professor Annette Gordon-Reed alongside historian Tim Naftali and Fareed Zakaria from CNN. And what 
Dr. Gordon Reed essentially said was that we need to commemorate people, not celebrate. We need to more so acknowledge what happened rather than honor what happened. And part of doing that, which I agree in her saying so, is that for statues such as those commemorating Jefferson, we add a section that talks about how he was a slave owner. For statues such as President George Washington, even though, yes, he did release his slaves in his, wheel, in his will or provide instructions for doing so, he still partook in a flawed system that abused thousands upon hundreds of thousands of human lives. So whether or not that involves creating separate statues alongside current memorials or putting new or just remodeling current ones, I think that's important to do because people like Thomas Jefferson should be honored to an extent or should be commemorated because they founded America. And I, I personally think that that's a good thing <laughs> as a citizen of the country. Generally. <laughs> yeah, and that's a, and that, that point was also touched upon in the discussion that happened on CNN. But, you know, these people deserve to be recognized, being that they set up the system we live in today. And to acknowledge the flaws within that system, I think, or rather, I agree that statues should be revised or have an add-on put in to acknowledge their shortcomings. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, and recently during the Black Lives Matter protest, there's a statue in uh, Boston that involves uh, Abraham Lincoln standing over a kneeling slave. And a lot of people have been protesting to remove the statue. And I think they're actually, they're planning to remove the statue and replace it with something else. Um, but again, like that statue just shows the sort of racial inequalities um, throughout our history. Even though Lincoln did free the slaves, it shows him, you know, towering over an African-American person uh, depicting, you know, different levels of status. And so I think like that, an example like this is rightly being revised and hopefully they can come up with a way to acknowledge them as equals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But to me, that just sounds like a museum, okay? Because like a lot of these figures have complexities that you can't really cover in a plaque that just says, oh yeah, this person owns slaves. Even to the point of Lincoln freeing the slaves, the historians have argued to the fact that, well, technically he didn't free a single slave since he was freeing slaves in territory right. that had seceded. And you also have to look at the reasons he chose to do that. Was he morally motivated or was he just taking advantage of the fact that European powers were looking to possibly join on the side of the South and he wanted mm -hmm. to change the narrative yeah. of the war? That sounds like something that can only be aptly covered in a museum exhibit. So it's just, I think that's something that people have to take into consideration as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, no amount of history can be aptly covered in this like small 10 by 10 plaque. And there's always going to be, you know, a lot of complexities and, and different sides of the story. So again, that, that makes it complicated when you, when you acknowledge, acknowledge these figures and statues and you put plaques up and, and you say one line at the bottom that says, oh, this person owns slaves, you know, is that really doing the entire narrative justice? Yeah. So 
this is a very good conversation, but I'd like to move on to more pressing discussions that have been in, or not necessarily more pressing, but other discussions within the news that involve the taking down of Confederate statues, as well as the removal of Confederate names from army bases. And regarding that, not to beat a dead horse, but going back to the discussion on CNN, like I was mentioning, the Founding Fathers did something respectable. They, they helped to found our nation. Yet the Confederacy, through their statues, are being honored for insurrection and an ideal which our modern society deems unjust. So how do you think we should be going about this? Like, there... Okay. No, sorry. No, you can go. No, sorry. Okay. Um, exactly. It's like Jefferson, Washington, while they were flawed figures, they again did something great in founding America, as you said. But we are commemorating traitors, essentially. When you put a statue of Robert E. Lee or you name something after Stonewall Jackson, these people defected and they went to war over tearing apart our nation. And you are building a statue of them. It's like I had to look very hard to find any sort of statue of Benedict Arnold. And the, you know where the only one I could find was? It was in a national historic park called the Boot Monument, and it doesn't even have his name. Okay, so it's like... People like to look at it, look at the statue issue from a racial angle, and that is fair because, again, the South did uh, stand for slavery and they wanted to maintain that system. But I think that all Americans should be insulted by by um, hauling a statue of someone who wanted to destroy your nation up in front of your town hall. Yeah, I agree. And for people who shout, you know, patriotism as the reason why they're keeping statues of Robert E. Lee and other Confederate leaders up, like these are people who, like you said left our country, betrayed our country, fought against our country. So to me, that's not very patriotic. I agree. And I think it's more so a mask of these people's just fervorous racism, because if you're trying to uphold your culture, that's complete, that's a lie. The Confederacy was not even around for 10 years. I can name TV shows that lasted longer than that. I can name wars that lasted longer than that. You might as well commemorate something such as World War II veterans rather than commemorating insurgents dedicated to people who fought for our country rather than fought against it. Exactly. And a lot of these people who so-called use uh, Southern pride to mask their overt racism aren't even like getting it correct because you see them, you see, this is kind of segueing into the Confederate flag and what it stands for. The Confederate flag that everyone most recently sees today, you know, like hanging for people's tow trucks and like on the bumper stickers wasn't even used by the Confederate government in any capacity for the majority of the war. And it's, people use that as a symbol of Southern pride when, in fact, it's not even really affiliated with the Confederacy and is more so con- affiliated with the Dixiecrat Party, which yeah. was a segregationist party from the 1950s. So it's like racism and Southern pride are often confused. I want to talk a little bit about the army bases because the argument on the right is that these army bases have been with us throughout our history and we fought World War II, World War I at these bases, and we've won wars using these bases. And so to get rid of it, some people might say that's removing, you know, good parts of our history. So what do you guys think about that? I think that plays back into the general 
discussion of whether or not we want to be honoring insurgents. And honestly, renaming an army base is relatively easy to do. So there's not an argument of it being within our history, like because we could easily change it to someone else within our history who's less controversial. I think it's just generally not to not to hit not to go too far into this point, but it just has to do with people not wanting to get rid of something that they've just adopted as their culture, even though, like Ethan mentioned, it's not even a part of that culture. Right. And well, I think the reason why the president um, comes out with these statements is he's really trying to polarize the country and firm up that group of confederate, I mean, sorry, conservative voters um, in the South and really shift the focus to become this cultural issue rather than one of, you know, coronavirus or economic issues. To focus everything on culture, people in the South are going to want to preserve their culture. And that's why, despite his mistakes, they're going to look at this and say, oh, the radical left Democrats are trying to destroy our history. And so they'll end up just voting for Trump again. That's completely true. It definitely is a way for Trump to solidify his voting base. But even within the South, the numbers at which people are accepting the flags is very high. And just as an example, I have an article from Mississippi Today, which is a statewide news source. When they, in 2019, it showed, comparing two polls, one from 2019 and one from this year, it showed that, it showed that rather than well, now, currently, 41% of people are opposed to changing the flag, but only a year ago, 54% of people were opposed. And though the majority of the poll shows that people in Mississippi want to change the flag, having an almost 50 to 50 ratio in that sense is concerning because it shows just how integrated this so-called Southern pride is into Southern politics and culture. Right. I mean, I just found out the past month um, that people openly display the Confederate flag in like NASCAR events and stuff like that, which really took me by surprise. Um, I don't know. I just don't see why that's necessary. And I don't understand the Southern pride that comes with that. Right. And one last point before we end the episode, I'd like to talk about Woodrow Wilson and his recent removal from the Princeton School of Public and International Affairs. Because obviously, most people regard him as a good president for his role in ending World War One, and also trying to establish the League of Nations and secure international peace in a time of uncertainty. But at the same time, he was an extreme racist. And if you guys would like to talk a bit about 
depicts how he was a racist and why we should remove him and why he should be removed from the school's name. I think that's something we should do. Yeah, well, Wilson honored the uh, Birth of a Nation film with a showing at the White House. So that basically puts a, puts, a, puts to rest his feelings towards African-Americans. And I think that the uh, for those who don't know, Birth of a Nation is a really old film that depicts the Ku Klux Klan uh, doing like being violent towards African-Americans. Uh, but I think that, yes, while Wilson, foreign policy-wise, with his League of Nations and et cetera, could be argued to be ahead of his time with what we now have the United Nations, I do think that his that racist side of his past needs to be taken into account and that Princeton's changing of the building uh, could be is considered justified just based off of that. Right. Yeah. And even... And I'd like to talk about how his racism didn't just pertain to his domestic policy. It also happened to be present within his famous 14 points in which he has tried to establish world peace. Because in the... In the sixth point, I believe, it talks about... Pardon, the fifth point. It talks about essentially adjusting colonial planes to accurately reflect the colonists accepting their colonial government. And yeah. at the time, places such as South Korea, or not South, pardon, <laughs> Korea, were not very happy with their Japanese rule. And it shows that he was just being very pick and choose. He was picking and choosing who to grant these policies too so it detracts a bit from his stellar reputation in the sense of public policy and foreign relations and because of that especially at a school that's teaching these ideals having someone who is so flawed and hypocritical within them is something that should not be present yeah and it's not even just at princeton i mean he was a president of princeton and they basically removed all association with him in the past couple of years. Um, but there's also schools across the country, like um, a middle school in Middletown, I believe, in Connecticut. They originally were named Woodrow Wilson Middle School, and they changed their name um, to something else, you know, again, removing, distancing themselves from the controversies of his past. And again, I think that gets back to the whole remembering their role in history versus putting them on a pedestal they might not deserve to be on. And I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, let's talk about Columbus, because when we all grew up in elementary school, we kind of were taught, you know, 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, he discovered America, he's this like glorious, um, exploring figure and then in as we grow up and grow older we're kind of um, taught that oh he's actually like an evil person that killed and raped and you know destroyed the Indian population and he's not someone that we should be remembering and commemorating and so you see in recent years the rise of Indigenous People Day to replace Columbus Day and removing of his statues. Um, a lot of them have been torn down in the past couple months. So what do you guys think of 
all of that and his role in history. I think it is important to acknowledge what he spurred within the world, because even though people, even though we do know that the Vikings were the first to reach North America, he discovered it in the modern European age and essentially allowed for important actions such as the Columbian exchange and colonization. So though we should acknowledge him and his slaughter of the natives, there is a positivity, or not necessarily a positivity, but an importance to what his role was in history that can't be disregarded and should be acknowledged in our country because right. it did lead to its formation. Yeah, to touch on that, um, a point you brought up, the slaughtering of natives, um, I mean, there, there's a case to be made that a lot of the evils that are widely accepted of Columbus today are actually just really big exaggerations and oversimplifications of history. Um, I mean, many people might not know this, but when Columbus arrived in the Caribbean islands, he was governor there for only like a couple years, I believe. Um, he actually, he went back to Europe um, to um, explain his discoveries. And a lot of the time on that island, there was actually other people who were controlling it and managing um, the Indian population there. And so people might not know that he was actually arrested for mistreating his own people on the island. And he was sentenced to around six months of jail in Europe. And that was because he was chopping their hands off and doing like these grotesque punishments, which we normally associate um, him doing to the Native Americans. Those were actually done to his own people, the Europeans, because they were the ones who were, you know, raping these people and selling them and sex trafficking and, and abusing them really badly. So a lot of the evils of the Europeans, I feel, are just lumped all together in this one figure of Columbus. And so we think of him as like this incredibly terrible person when in fact, I'm not saying he's not a bad, he didn't do bad things. He certainly wished to subjugate the natives and, you know, practically enslave them. But a lot of the evils are definitely exaggerated, in my opinion. Going back to the um, to, to Columbus uh, and how he and how he's glorified, particularly in DC, uh, like you said, Ben, the Vikings and Leif Erikson are generally are generally agreed to be the first Europeans to come to America, and then of course you had the Native Americans we know today coming fifteen thousand years ago across the land bridge from Eurasia, but. Again, I think we could acknowledge what Columbus did, and sorry to sound like a dead horse here, without naming our capital after him, for example, or naming a day after him. We can still acknowledge the fact that he spurred an age of innovation in Europe and America and caused uh, the domino of effects to start falling uh, in Europe that would eventually lead to our independence without giving him a national holiday, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to like yeah, downplay what yeah. he did either. Right, like he he was the one who spurred the, the slave trade, basically. Um, and 
But again, w- without him, like we yeah, wouldn't be here. I think that so. is a valid thing we need to acknowledge, and it shouldn't be erased. Yeah. I, yeah, I think teaching it in schools is still important. Obviously, acknowledging the flaws in how he handled coming to the new world. But I do think having the replacement of Columbus Day with Indigenous People Day is a good way to honor how poorly this country has historically treated its native populations. Even, But at the same time, renaming such a historic, renaming a holiday that was originally about a man who harmed their people so much, I think there still may, may be some, how do I put this? Just some bitterness behind it because yes you changed his name but historically this day was for this man yeah i almost feel like you should just make a completely separate holiday for yeah indigenous and people and native, native people of this country because like right like on column on indigenous people day like in schools we don't at least from my experience, I don't remember actually talking about this stuff or doing anything of significance. Um, in my view, it's it's kind of almost become like a Columbus bad, Columbus evil day, rather than actually its purpose of celebrating the Native American yeah. population. And that detracts from the entire value of having the holiday as a whole. Right. So then, like, what do you think about the fact that it's called the District of Columbia. Do you think that it should be renamed? I haven't heard your opinions on that. I don't know. I think there's definitely a lot of history behind that. Um, I don't know how well that would be received among the American people. I think it would call into terms of a nationalist aspect that we talked about a bit with regard to the South and Southern pride, there may be a more more general multi-party sentiment rather than just one group of people opposing it. Because like we've been talking about, Columbus was a part of our history. And for the most part, Washington DC has been our nation's capital forever. So. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's it's an interesting point you brought up. I actually didn't think about it that way before, um, or even, like, recognize the association there. But I feel like the effects that it would have, again, on, like, the culture war in this country, um, I just don't think it's it's feasible, and it's something that we really should be dedicating time to, and, like, because just acknowledging the repercussions of it, it could be pretty damaging. So, so then, so then I'll downsize it a little bit. What do you, I think during our APUSH class, uh, I'm not sure about you've heard, but we looked at Vanderlein's uh, painting of the land, landing of Columbus, which depicts a lot of bowing natives and is in the Capitol Rotunda. What do you think about aspects of that history being put on display in the nation's capital? You can look it up. It's called the um, Landing of Columbus. Columbus. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't. 
I was not aware of this photo being in the Capitol. Um, but yeah, I guess I think it's, I don't know if it's necessary for it to be there. I think there's definitely a lot of like racial um, class differences being depicted. And yeah, there is a case to be made that it, sh it shouldn't be there, definitely. I think even if the name of the District of Columbia isn't changed, removing an image such as this from its premises would be important because several aspects of this image, like Kurt was mentioning, do portray Native Americans as lesser than Europeans, and that can be seen, first of all, in their location in the image. They're pictured hiding in the corner. And obviously one of them is bowing, and then the other ones are fleeing or naked, portraying them as savages, which is not what we want to honor or not what we want to commemorate Columbus for. Yeah. Also, I'm, I'm not sure why this is actually in the Capitol, because it's not a, a big part of American history, as in like the United States of America, obviously. He was the one who like sparked um, exploration onto the continent, um, but it's it's not more like he's more important to the general Western world than to specifically America. So I don't think it should be, you know, put up in a place that celebrates American history. Right. We could easily put other American explorers, such as Lewis and Clark, into here because they explored our country for us right. rather than this man who explored it for a foreign government that we don't even call our own. Well, he didn't even like step foot into America as we know it. Right. All right, so I think that's a good place to wrap up today's discussion. Uh, we've definitely been very productive and covered a lot of ground on today. So it's been Purit, Ethan, and Ben. And as always, please, please wear, wear a mask. mask. <laughs> yeah.